in a world where your contractor is handling you by giving you misinformation instead of working for you with good faith advice. You'd better call Paul. Hi, Cheryl. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome to Better Call Paul. Um, I'm. We've already received, I got your, thank you for sending in all your drawings for your kitchen. And I took a look over everything. One thing is, is we don't have all the measurements. So we're just looking at the, you know, the perspectives and the views. So some things I have to guess at um, as far as the sizes of things. If you ask me, I'll tell you. Okay. Did you have any questions you wanted to ask first or did you want me sort of to critique it? Or, you know, you tell me, where would you like to start? I want you to critique it. The short wall is 11 and a half feet. The long wall is 17 feet. Okay. The appliances are in their current positions. They, did, they didn't really move. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're the standard size uh, appliances. Okay. I'll just start anywhere. So as far as your design yeah. goes, certainly we see some designs that are terrible. This is very similar to what you have now. So you're used to it. There's certainly nothing horrible or bad about this design. But there's some things I think you might want to consider changing. And the one thing is... Okay. Sometimes people have absolutely no choice. We just had a customer recently that has a multi-million dollar home and the project got so far along that the architect had designed everything and there was no way for us to intervene and, and change the layout of the home. And he had to live with one of the two problems that if there's any way we can get around it, I think we always try to do in people's kitchens. And the two problems I'm talking about are one, having a bathroom door open into a kitchen. And the other problem is having your washer and dryer in your kitchen. Because one way you're sort of turning your kitchen almost into a bathroom. And the other way you're combining your laundry room and your kitchen. A lot of times you don't have any choice, but certainly as people are spending so much money on their kitchen, moving plumbing lines or other things your washer and dryer in your kitchen is sort of a last resort. That being said, they're, they're there now in your kitchen, you said, right? Uh, yes, I am a small ranch, 1,500 square feet. And, and it's a galley kitchen with the look that looks at the dining room. Okay. And do you have a basement or are you on a slab? Or I'm on a slab. So you're on a slab. So then two things happen when you're on a slab. One, it gets much harder to move things around. And then secondly, you don't have the basement that we could fall back on and put your washer and dryer. Probably the only thing that you really could do is it, sometimes people could steal a closet in one of the bedrooms and put their washer and dryer. That's going to be a big pain in the neck. And then you're going to lose a bedroom or lose a closet in a bedroom. So let's assume that your washer and dryer is going to at least stay in your kitchen. Could uh, I put it behind the door to hide it? Would that be better? I could, you could, but the problem with that too is that your kitchen is pretty narrow. So you have a pr pretty narrow kitchen and you can't really put it behind cabinet doors because they're very deep. And if you did put it behind, behind cabinet doors, either you would need custom cabinets and then 
the doors really are, are to, to really have a washer and dryer stacked on top of each other, it should be more like a closet door where you would build a wall and put a closet door. And then you need the thickness of the wall in front of the closet, which would, would make the space across from each other even tighter. So I think maybe you're best off leaving it the way everything is, but you're going to be, you know, maybe getting new washers and dryers and they'll be. I'm getting all new appliances. They'll be nicer looking. And then if we put it all the way, keep it over to one side of the room, that can help too. I guess the other thing in your design that immediately jumps out is that you have your cabinets and then you have moldings on the top, but you're ending about three inches away from your ceiling. So I would tell you that what everybody would do nowadays is stack your moldings so that the moldings, you know, you have one flat piece of molding that goes up to the ceiling and then a crown molding in between your ceiling and that flat piece of molding. So that over it's all closed in over the tops of your cabinets and it looks much better and you're not accumulating dust, dust mites and everything else on top of your cabinets and having no way to really clean on top because you're only leaving three inches away from the ceiling. So you couldn't even get a shop vac or anything else in there. So you, you never okay. leave yourself just three inches away from the ceiling when you're doing a kitchen. Once you get more than closer than nine inches, you just go all the way up to the ceiling. So you don't have to get more expensive cabinets. You just have a flat piece of molding first. That's called the riser. And then the crown molding goes on top of that. And it looks much better. So that's one thing that you should I can get a, I can get a larger crown molding. I have an eight-foot ceiling. All of the cabinets and everything go up to 90. So that left me with only six inches. But I have yeah. a poor storage amount. So that's why we went up that high. Yeah, so I, I, I can get a bigger no, crown molding. No, I wouldn't get a bigger crown molding. I would just get the riser and then the crown molding for two reasons. One reason is that nobody's house is perfectly level. So if you have the flat piece going up to the ceiling and then the crown molding is going to go on the flat piece and touch the ceiling, that way, as your ceiling maybe goes off of level a little bit, the molding will mm -hmm. still touch the ceiling and you'll just expose a little bit more and a little bit less of the riser. I can send you a drawing of how that's done for the contractor. Yes, please. Uh, yes, because I'm not quite understanding what you said. They have a uh, like a one inch piece it's at the top of the cabinets and then the crown molding was sitting on that. Yes, that's what that's what, but that's not what you have in the picture. Okay. Maybe the designer said that's what they were going to do, but that's not what they have in the pictures. In the pictures they have your crown molding right on top of your cabinet without that piece going up. Yes. It currently is. Oh, currently you have that now, the piece. I mean that that's what they're going that's what they were saying they were going to do. Okay. Well, they should put that in the picture. One thing is is kitchen designers you order your kitchen off of the picture most of the time. So if you don't see something in the picture, you won't be charged for it and it won't get delivered to you. So they should add that. Usually if you have 6 inches, a 3-inch crown molding and a flat piece that leaves 3 inches exposed is nice, but I can understand that they were talking about doing that, but it makes it a little bit harder as a designer 
to stack the two pieces of molding. So maybe the designer was a little bit new and didn't know how to do that. And so they just put the crown molding on top and then just told you they were going to add those pieces of wood. Um, well, but yeah, because they're not building it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 they have a contractor who does their installation. You know, even so, the contractor that's doing it, if it doesn't appear in the picture, it's a problem just waiting to happen, that the contractor doesn't see it in the picture and isn't paying attention and puts your molding right on top of the cabinets. And now you have to redo all your moldings because he didn't stack it. It's a good okay. thing. It's just something to be aware of. When anybody does something differently than it's supposed to be done in real life, that's a red flag that you just want to make sure everybody's on the same page with. Okay. It's so hard when you're in a ranch on a slab. It's difficult to move things around. But sometimes I'll ask a question like, what kind of cabinets are you getting? and Or what brands of appliances somebody's getting? And they're spending so much money on their cabinets or on their appliances that they should be spending some of that money to move stuff around. That being said, do you have a brand of cabinets that you're considering or what what kind uh, of well, the appliances are will all be bought new too, and they're going to be LG. Okay. And I had four designers draw me something, three of which were rated, one was not. Mm -hmm. So, but it was like the best rating was R.D. Henry and um, was it Yorktown? Okay. Superior was one, but it was not rated on on um, your sheet. So. R.D. Henry and Yorktown both. Yorktown used to be a very inexpensive cabinet brand that got bought up by another company and changed to mm -hmm. a pretty expensive cabinet brand. And R.D. Henry, I believe, yeah, so I think- it was R. rated R. Henry, 4 AA. Four, so R.D. Henry's a, a more expensive cabinet brand too. What kind of color, and, and I see it's a shaker door style, what kind of color cabinet were you thinking about? It's uh, kind of a, a cappuccino, uh, biscotti. They one one person called it cappuccino. Another person called it biscotti. It's like a, a peanut brown. Okay. And is it is it a stain or, or is it a paint? Yes, it's a stain. It's a stain. So probably yes. that kind of stain is going to be more going to be more difficult to get in the less expensive cabinet brands. The cabinet brands you're looking at, if you're talking medallion and R.D. Henry, they're definitely on the more expensive side. Like if I look at your kitchen and I say, what would medallion cost around here? A medallion kitchen probably around here for the kitchen you have would certainly be over $20,000. I would think maybe more like $30,000 in cabinetry. Uh, R.D. Henry is uh, running like 23, and I don't have the Yorktown estimate yet. Okay. So the R.D. Henry should be a little bit less. If we rated R.D. Henry as a four, the Yorktown, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if we moved it up, but Yorktown now should probably be a four and a half or five. It used to be a one or a two. I wonder if we made those changes. It used to be uh, the one I'm looking at is the 22 rating. Uh, and you gave it a four B plus B plus. Okay. So we switched it up. It's a four, but it's probably almost more like a four and a half. Um, okay. So it's probably going to come in. If your RD Henry was $23,000, the Yorktown will probably come in a little bit more. And you're upgrading all of these cabinets to all plywood construction, I hope, with 
solid wood yes. tail drawers and soft clothes, everything, right? Yes. You know, the only reason I'm, I'm asking is you are in a little bit more expensive brands, but you also are looking at probably a little bit more expensive colors in some of the less. I am. I could not get those in stock. You what? I had to go up. I could not get the color I wanted in a stock. Oh, okay. So I had to go up. So you had to go up. So if that's worth it to you, that's some of the trade-offs. Just because you might be spending $5,000 more to get the color that, of the cabinets that you like. And if you did decide that you wanted to move anything in your design, it wouldn't cost $5,000. You could probably you know, move the location of your sink for, I don't know, a couple of thousand dollars, maybe something like that, maybe two and a half thousand mm -hmm. dollars. You could probably move the location of your washer and dryer for a similar amount. And why I'm bringing it up is in this design, there are some things that are better if some of these things move. It's good that you have this right now. So right now you have your refrigerator and your washer and dryer right next to each other. Yes. So you have a full depth refrigerator in the picture. So the whole refrigerator has to come out like six inches from the cabinetry so that you get a deeper refrigerator, but that's the only way that the refrigerator door doesn't hit the washer and dryer. So is th that's what's going on now. You have a very a deeper refrigerator that's sticking out farther, right? Yes, it's sticking about three inches. The washer and dryer moved out six inches for something in the back, some connection that goes in the back. Mm -hmm. So it's actually shorter than the refrigerator, but in order for it to look aligned, they moved uh, they moved it up. The washer and dryer, they moved it up. They moved forward? Yes. Interesting. You have to be very careful with the selection of your washers and dryers and your refrigerator because you must have very, very shallow washers and dryers now. So if you were to get any of the stackable washers and dryers that are you know, not apartment washers and dryers, but like other ones that you put on top of each other or that can be put on pedestals. Those washers mm -hmm. and dryers are much deeper. I'm, I'm um, going to make sure I correct. You might have problems with the washer and dryer hitting the refrigerator. One thing that you could do and I might do is I don't think you're going to have to move any plumbing or, or much of anything if you just switch no. your pantry and the washer and dryer. So that you put the washer and dryer on the end with a panel and then put the pantry cabinet that you have on the end of the washer and dryer in between the refrigerator and the washer and dryer. If you just did that, then you wouldn't have to worry about the door to the refrigerator hitting the washer and dryer. And then also, if you wanted, you could get a counter depth refrigerator. And the reason you might want a counter depth refrigerator is that refrigerator sticks out six inches less. The only thing that sticks out past the cabinetry is the doors to the refrigerator themselves. If it's me and I'm in a really tight kitchen and it's pretty small, I think I would just sacrifice a little of the storage space and I would get a counter depth refrigerator. But certainly if you do get a counter depth refrigerator, you'd have to probably move your washer and dryer one over and put the pantry between them Otherwise, the refrigerator door would be hitting the, the washer and dryer. Yeah, the refrigerator is 38 inches uh, deep. 
and the combo is 27, 36, 30, whatever. Yeah, usually the, the box of a counter depth refrigerator is mm-hmm. 24, 25, and then the door to the refrigerator comes out from there. You have a standard depth refrigerator, and it's really big if it's 38. So that's a 30, yeah. that's a 30 inch box and very deep doors. You know, mm-hmm. that would be a common thing that customers would do that kitchen designers would try to discourage you from doing is customers don't realize the space that they're leaving and the negative impact of the appliances that they pick out, you know, until long after the kitchen is done. Whereas okay. everybody just wants the stuff that they want. You're losing six inches of space in your kitchen for this refrigerator. I oh, mean, okay. you have to weigh if that losing six inches and having this thing stick out so far across from everything else is worth it. And how many people live in your home? Uh, well, currently it's only me, but I got a bunch of kids and grandkids, which is why I got a, a larger size refrigerator yeah. in the holidays or the weekends. And they're all here and the refrigerator is just stuffed. And do you have a garage? I have a two car garage and there are two cars. <laughs> Okay. And you put both cars in the garage? I do. I live in a winter climate. Okay. So a lot of times people would, uh, we live where do you live? Chicago or? I do. I live in Chicago and there's snow and you know, yeah, you don't want your car to be all messed up after a few years. Right. Right. You have to weigh that. You have the advantage of having this big refrigerator, but it does stick out mm-hmm. really far. And in a small kitchen, it makes things a little okay. bit better. My wife and I and I can I can change yeah I can change the refrigerator that's not a problem I guess yeah uh, but I'm not saying you have to do it because it's your decision but you can sort mm -hmm. of imagine it if you would with the refrigerator sticking out essentially six inches less and if it sticks out six inches less that's a lot more space and it also looks built into the cabinets because it's only the doors that are sticking out so that's just something you might want to consider. And then the only other thing is if I was to say, what's the best design for your kitchen? The problem that you have with this design as it is now is your sink and your stove are so close to each other. We really try to keep appliances not next to each other either. So the fact that your dishwasher is right next to your stove doesn't look so good. The fact that your washer and dryer is right next to your refrigerator doesn't look so good. When we move the washer and dryer down and put the pantry cabinet in between the two, it makes everything a little bit better. And then if everything's not jutting out so far, it makes the room a little bit bigger. And then if your sink were to move, and that would be a big problem, right? You'd have to take out the cabinetry. You'd have to jackhammer up the floor. Someone would have to run the drain line from its present location to a new Right, and that's $10,000 to go into the slab. If someone tells you, telling you that that's what it costs, then that's not a contractor I would be very comfortable using because there's something okay. wrong with them. We know how much work that is and we do it all the time. And it really should be more like two and a half thousand dollars. So somebody that tells you something that's astronomical for doing something really is lying to you because they don't want to do it. So the fact that somebody is then lying to me makes me very suspicious of them. Once contractors okay. start telling me things that I know are wrong, then I'm very suspect of a lot of other things that they might be telling you. 
because you can't trust them once they're really saying that. Because how much work is this going to be? No matter what, they're going to remove all your cabinets, right? And once they remove your cabinets, if they were to jackhammer up your slab, they're going to have that done before lunchtime to jackhammer up a, a channel from the present drain location to the new drain location. And the, the, the water lines are very easy to move. So they're flexible lines nowadays. So they can be running under the cabinets even. But the drain line is pretty easy to do. And then the plumber has to come and put the new drain line in. But it's really only a day's worth of work. And then somebody has to cement it up. Being somebody that knows how to do all of those things, I could probably mm-hmm. do everything myself in no more than a day and a half. That's why most of the time the contractors are going to have one person jackhammer it up, then the plumber come and run the new new plumbing line, and then somebody else cement it up. And when you do all that, it really, even in Chicago, it, it never could get the $10,000. That would be crazy. Okay. That makes me suspicious. The person that's doing the construction, is it also the same company that's selling you the cabinets or is it a different company? They recommended a, a company, but um, they were so out of line, I went and got other uh, cost estimates. Oh. Was, well, they were so expensive is what I want to say. that I, <clears> They were like, 30, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't need custom cabinets. <laughs> right. But the company, I mean, the company that gave you the construction price recommended a kitchen place. Yes. So you found the construction company first. Yes. They were recommended by people who uh, used them and were very happy with how their kitchens turned out. That's good. So we know that they did a good job, but we also know that they're lay people and they don't know what stuff costs. And they actually probably aren't capable of knowing if the contractor did a great job or not. I mean, they can only say that it looks good. They don't know that they weren't told that something cost $10,000 when it didn't and that they were being Mm -hmm. charged too much. So generally, I sort of want to find the kitchen place that I want to work with. And when people recommend each other, this is not us. When we recommend contractors, we get don't get paid any money recommending them. Um, and okay. we're not in cahoots with everybody. But a lot of contractors, if they recommend a kitchen company, um, you know, we actually have contractors that recommend us. And sometimes we give them a referral fee for recommending us, but the cut we don't charge our customers anymore. But that's we're we're very unique in that situation. A lot of times the contractors will recommend kitchen companies. And you know, one of the reasons the price was so exorbitant was that the kitchen company was jacking up the price to give a whole bunch of money to the contractor, which is another symptom of a contractor that's not being transparent and is not being honest. Generally, okay. I try to have people find the kitchen place where they get the best price for the cabinets and that they like, and then have the kitchen place recommend some contractors. Or, you know, you can have this contractor give a bid that gave you a bid for doing the construction. Always get at least three bids from three different contractors. Just, you know, okay. your and the price for the contractors will be so varied and so different. I mean, even contractors that we work with that we know do a good job, you know, one could be for a job your size, one could be $5,000, $6,000, $7,000 more expensive than another one. And it's only that one guy does all the work himself with a helper and another guy 
is a general contractor and subs everything out to other people and he has a different business model. You can get estimates that are twice as expensive than other contractors and it doesn't even mean that they do better work. In fact, if you do get somebody that's twice as expensive, a lot of times it's a sign that they don't do good work, that they're really just sort of, they do okay jobs, but they don't have your best interest at heart. So did they give you okay. a number for doing this renovation? I know- I'm Chicago, sorry, did they give me a what? A number for doing the construction part of the job. No, so, not yet. So I'm waiting on that. We're meeting next, we're meeting Wednesday. So whenever they give you that, I would think that a company that sort of tells me it's $10,000 to jackhammer up the thing and doesn't give me a price or just doesn't give me any kind of number is maybe mm -hmm. going to be the same kind of company that puts you under pressure to sign a contract when they come out to give you the numbers. Whatever you do, don't do that. Okay. It's, okay. A, it's another sign of a bad company. You want to okay. get estimates from three different contractors, no matter what. You can have these people be one, but when they give you their estimate, just say, thank you very much. I'm just going to get a couple of other estimates and um, I'll get back to you. And then, you know, talk to some other people in the, in the area, see if they had a good experience. Sometimes you can go on Angie's list. One thing about Angie's yeah. list, when you're looking for contractors, Angie's list is an interesting company. I hate the way they operate. They sort of, once you're on Angie's list, they sort of try to put you in a spider web of advertisers that are paying them money. They'll say, well, what are you doing? Are you doing a kitchen? Are you doing this? And you have to start, start answering the questions. And then all of a sudden they tell you they'll have three people call you. Well, that's really yeah. not what you want. If you go on Angie's list, what you want to do is leave Angie's list out of it and look for the contractors. You can look up contractors yourself on Angie's list and look for the ones okay. that get good reviews for doing kitchens or general contractors. Because the, the companies okay. that get really good reviews, the best thing about Angie's List is you can review a company on Angie's List even if you didn't hire them. If you only got an estimate from them, you could review them. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means if a company gets good reviews, not only did they do good work and make their customers happy, but they didn't get other people mad at them by giving them crazy expensive estimates. Because if they gave mm -hmm. an estimate for like $50,000 and you ended up hiring somebody that was $20,000, you might jump right on Angie's list and give them a bad review and say they're crazy expensive, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're really stuck and you're looking for a company, do some research on Angie's list to find a company that gets lots of reviews for the kind of work you're doing. Look, look okay. for yourself. And if they get those really good reviews, you can sort of be sure that their, their numbers at least should not be that much out of whack. And you can okay. use maybe an Angie's List person, this company that you're getting an estimate for. And then maybe you can find through friends and family, somebody else that has a, a good experience. Or you could also ask the kitchen company if they can recommend a couple of contractors and use one of their contractors that they recommended. Because usually the kitchen companies, if they're only recommending a contractor, they're not getting paid any money. Whereas if the contractor okay. is recommending a kitchen company, they could be in cahoots and the kitchen company could be giving them money. Okay. But that being said, if you ever decided that you wanted to do the best layout for this kitchen, at least the most functional layout would be to move your sink onto your peninsula. Right now, 
you have your sink and your stove so close to each other that usually pe yeah. people work from their sink to their stove. So imagine if we just put your sink on your peninsula and I put your sink, say I put a garbage can cabinet at the very end of the peninsula, then had your sink uh -huh. and then had dishwasher next and then the Lazy Susan or whatever cabinet in the corner there. Now you have, you know, like eight feet of countertop in between your stove and your sink. So you could be working at your stove on the left side of your stove, having all of this countertop to work at, to be washing a vegetable, to be cutting and chopping, to be doing all of those things. I think with the kitchen layout you have now, you can tell me, but don't you find yourself working all the time on the tiny little countertop that's in between the sink and the stove? <laughs> I do. Right? You go from the sink to the stove. That's what you do. So as a kitchen designer, we want to try to get your kitchen sink and your stove pretty far apart so they're not interfering with each other so that, you know, you could have somebody go from the sink to the stove. You could even put the dishwasher on the end, then the sink, then the garbage can pull out. The, you know, you can sort of alternate it, but all the designs that will work the best if you were cooking for a living would be the ones that move the sink to the peninsula. And, you know, there's bad things about that too. And the bad thing is just that now you have an overhang on your peninsula that people were sitting at. And now you got the sink pretty close to them. It makes sitting at the peninsula a little bit less desirable, but it does make working in the kitchen a little bit easier. And I, I don't have the dimensions for the rest of the house, the one thing that's good, too, is once you're moving the sink to the peninsula, you're not going to have the dishwasher in between the sink and the stove. So you could actually move your peninsula closer, maybe. I don't have the measurements, but maybe a tiny bit closer to the cabinetry on the other side, the cabinetry with the drawers and everything that you have over by the stove. So if it's not getting too tight, you could move your peninsula a little bit closer and then you could maybe even put 12 inch deep cabinets on the back of the peninsula to give you a little bit more storage that wouldn't be so usable, but it would give the people sitting at the peninsula a whole two feet of countertop space to be eating at with the sink in front of them. So it's just something that you could consider, but you certainly would never consider it if somebody was going to charge you $10,000 to move. Right. What about sink. moving the sink to the corner? Well, you can move the sink to the corner, but if you move the sink to the corner, there's a couple of things, like I said, like the, the washer and dryer in a kitchen is sort of what we try to avoid. Bathroom doors opening the kitchens is a no-no we try to avoid. And diagonal sinks are a last resort too. And the reason is if your sink is in the corner, everything like the dishwasher, if the dishwasher was next to the sink or a garbage can pull out, everything is opening sort of diagonally into you. So it's it doesn't okay. work as well. The perfect sink is one that has like the garbage can pull out on one side of you, the dishwasher opening down on the other side of you. So you could sort of scrape a dish off into the trash can, but load it into the dishwasher. It's actually the best of all would be if the dishwasher was sort of on the end of the peninsula. You could even make the peninsula a tiny bit deeper. You wouldn't have the shelves that you have on the end if the dishwasher was there. But that way, when the dishwasher door was down, you could unload the dishwasher to all the cabinets in the whole kitchen, and you wouldn't have the dishwasher in your way. 
Like when you unload your dishwasher, if you're standing at the sink or when you're unloading your dishwasher, it's between you and some of the cabinets that you might want to be putting some things away in. So, you know, you could talk to the kitchen designer about that. And I will. I know Chicago is tough because we've tried to find good kitchen places in Chicago. And a lot of the kitchen companies in Chicago, I think, look like they do a really good job, are also crazy expensive. There's a lot of kitchen companies, at least around here, that like we sell the most expensive cabinets. We have cabinets much more expensive than J.R. Henry or whatever and Medallion. Mm -hmm. We have brands that are sixes that aren't fours, but sixes. But we also have brands that are ones. So, and that's in price wise. So the lower the number on our our review, the least expensive the cabinets are. And the cabinets that we have that are ones that are stock cabinets are still solid wood dovetail drawers, soft close hinges, soft close tracks. They still have all of those stuff. They still come in a shaker door style. They still come in all the sizes you need for your design, but they come in almost no choices of color. So you wouldn't be able to get a stained cabinet at all. You'd only be able to get a painted cabinet, but your whole kitchen cabinetry order would certainly be under $10,000, maybe more like $8,000. When we're designing somebody's kitchen, they're all supposed to be in the mix. We sort of give you the options and you pick the stuff that you want to splurge on and you pick the things that you want to save on, et cetera. And certainly it's a very different kitchen if you did decide to move your sink to the peninsula. If you cook a lot, it's going to make your life a lot easier cooking-wise. When you get estimates from all the contractors, get an estimate from the company that said they can't do it when they come out, that it's $10,000. Get the number from them for how much they're going to charge you to move the sink just to have it. And then when somebody else comes back and says it's two and a half thousand dollars to move the sink to that location, that will make maybe make you feel differently about the people that told you 10. Okay. You know, other than that, the design is pretty good. If I was going to move anything else, the only negative thing that you have with your washer and dryer is, and this is, this is something I wouldn't do because I don't want to spend another two and a half thousand dollars, but it's really nice if you have your washer and dryer in the kitchen, if you have some kind of countertop next to it, whereas your washer and dryer have the refrigerator in between you and the countertop. So if you wanted to take oh. a basket out and you wanted to put it down to load the washer and dryer, you just have to have your basket on the floor and you're loading the washer and dryer from the floor. And then a lot of people that have washers and dryers, if they don't have stacked ones, you can put your basket on top of the washer and dryer when you're loading the washers. Yes. But you have no count. Uh, what about what about moving the refrigerator to the end and putting the counters in between the washer and dryer and the refrigerator? You could do that too. Although now we're bringing your washer and dryer more and more into your kitchen. I sort of like it. The more hidden it is behind the rest of your yeah. kitchen, it's not in your dining yeah. room. It's sort of hidden. The one thing you could do is if you were willing to spend more money again, and I don't think this one is worth it, it looks like that pantry, you can tell me, but the pantry across from the washer and dryer on the stove side looks like it's 30 inches wide. It's 27. It's the 20. Is 29 and the pantry is 27. Oh, so the pantry is 27 and the space is 29. Your stackable washer and dryer is probably 27. So you could, if you wanted, 
put a, a three quarter inch panel on the side and push it up against the trim of the window. And you could get a washer and dryer over there. And then the only reason that that would be good is that now you'd have all that countertop if you weren't cooking to the right side of the stove that you could use in a pinch if you're doing laundry. But I, I don't think I would do that anyway. It's a pain in the neck to move that. And you know it should cost at least a couple of thousand dollars, which isn't probably worth it. Although maybe the price goes down a little bit if they're moving this, if you decide to move the sink, now that you're doing the same work twice, maybe the price for the total package is a little bit less. Maybe to do both is only $4,000 or something like that. Well, I can move the washer and dryer. It's 27, but the problem is there would be no gas line. Oh, it's a gas dryer. Well, moving the gas line is also a little bit easier. You can move a gas line up and through the ceiling if you had to. But you can also move the gas line under the slab if you were doing it. And actually, I'm thinking about it. Does the dryer vent outside? No. So that would be an advantage, too, of moving the washer dryer to the other location, is that your dryer could vent outside. Okay. Unless, unless it's a condo or something where they don't let you vent. No, it's my house. So the gas line can go through the ceiling? That's not dangerous? <laughs> No, because, uh, you know, if they're going to rerun the gas line, you just run it up the wall and across the ceiling and then down. Probably it's easier if they have to run a drain line for the washer. So the washer has a yes. drain line. So they're probably going to have to jackhammer up the floor. So they're probably easier just to run it through the floor, though. If you moved it over to that location, they would already have to be doing all that stuff. But, you know, that's the okay. thing I always to try to hammer into all of the designers that work for me. I always tell the designers to treat our customers like their family, which I don't mean by that, like you love them and you uh, <laughs> are just absolutely ultra nice to them. The way I treat my family is since we all care about each other, we would give them pretty strong advice and we would tell them okay. if we thought they were making a mistake and we would try to protect their money. If you're spending $10,000 more on cabinetry or, you know, getting to get a certain color, then, you know, I might say to my brother, if he was doing that, well, you know, Stephen, you're, you know, you're spending a whole bunch of extra money on the cabinets you're getting because that's the color you like. But for that $5,000 extra you're spending on cabinetry, we could probably move the sink and move the washer and dryer. And you wouldn't have the color you like the best, but you could spend less money on cabinetry. And then the overall kitchen you might like better. So you always want it okay. to be the person's decision and there's not a right or a wrong answer, but it's all the same money. So when you're shopping around for contractors, if you find a contractor that's $5,000 less and you're pretty comfortable that they're going to do a good job because they get good reviews and everything online and everything else, well, that's $5,000 that you saved that you could put to something else. That can be the money that you save to, to get the cabinet color that you like. So you have to decide those things. Our job okay. is to give you the numbers and then for you to sort of, you know, figure out exactly, like I said before, what you want to splurge on and what you want to save money on. Okay. I would then want, uh, the cap, but it's a galley kitchen. I didn't want to get too dark of a cabinet. Do what? I didn't want to get too dark of a cabinet and I oh, didn't too want dark to get of... too light because kids' hands on everything. Yeah. You'll be able to get in the less expensive cabinet brands. There'll be some stains that you'll be able to get, like gray stains are common in less expensive cabinet brands, light gray stains, okay. or uh, Fabiwood, one of the less expensive brands we carry, just came out with like a 
maple kind of looking colored cabinet door, but you're not going to have a lot of choices. That's really why the more expensive brands are more expensive. They offer more kinds of wood and they offer more colors and more finishes and depends on what your budget is and how important those finishes and those colors are to you. But it's all the same money. So customers just have to be the ones that decide what, what's important to them. So, well, uh, you've given me plenty to think about and that I got to get out and research before he comes on Wednesday. Yeah. And when he comes on Wednesday, don't sign any contracts, right? That's also a bad right. Anybody that, that's pressuring anybody, you know, even in kitchen cabinets, I just think sales for kitchen cabinets that have deadlines are trying to force people to make decisions is not in their best interests. So I think the best companies okay. don't really do. Give people your best price for cabinets and have them decide. You know, sometimes the cabinet companies will have the promotions where the, or price increases during the pandemic. We had price increases. We never pressured a customer to buy. If we said there's a price increase that's going into effect August 15th, if you, you don't have the estimates from your contractors, don't buy the cabinets. We'll give you another month. And we'll just suck it up and eat the price increase before we have you making decisions or signing contracts with people that are you know, forcing your hand. It's not the way you want to go into a major construction project. You, know, you, want, you, okay. you want everybody to be thoughtful and thinking about it. And anybody that's trying to pressure me, I'm instantly suspicious of. So, um, okay, thank you. Okay. Okay. So good talking to you. Thank you. You've given me a lot to think about. And if you need to call us back again, we're here the next week. I know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing the, the podcast uh, helpline and then I'm off for a couple of weeks cause I'm in Europe. Okay. But then I'm back. You know, it was a p- pleasure talking to you and, um, maybe another time. Take care. Sharon. Thank you very much. All right. Mm-hmm, bye. Thank you for listening to the Mainline Kitchen Design Podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer Paul McElary. This podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry, high-quality custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.